Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. On this episode, we talk about Nassau. Michael Siegel from Anchiamet Synagogue in Chicago and author Jonathan Eig have a new take on an ancient blessing, the importance of acknowledging our blessings and our responsibility to share them. And in this portion, we have the very famous passage about the threefold blessings of the priests. In the time of the Mishkan, in the time of the tabernacle, in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, the time of the temple, the priests would stand with their hands extended, and they would make what we would now say is the sign of the Vulcan. Leonard Nimoy, by the way, was a Kohen, and he used that sign. And it's really the letter Shin. And they would hold their hands up above the people, out towards the people, and they, they would say... May God bless you and guard you. May God turn God's countenance towards you and be gracious to you. May God turn the divine face towards you and may you know peace. And we have, of course, appropriated this in multiple ways. At a baby name, at a bris, at a, a happy event, at a bar bat mitzvah, at a wedding, we recite these words. And so... Let's begin with this question. Do people have the intrinsic power to bless? That's a good one. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Leonard Nimoy. Another great Jew of pop culture is Bob Dylan, um, who has the song that goes, um, May God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true. May you always do for others and let others do for you. And um, it's the same question that you raised. Does Bob Dylan have the power to invoke God and to, and to ask for God's blessings? Um, do, do any of us? Is that a transferable power? And then I guess the question is, if it is, how do we do it other than just saying it out loud? Well, is it a wish? Right. Or is it an actual blessing? In some cultures, like when the Pope blesses you, I think people feel as though he is an extension of God and that he is transferring God's blessing, with showering God's blessing upon you. So in some cultures, that I'm quite sure that the people standing at the temple were thinking the exact same thing, because the whole priesthood and the pope is the corollary to the high priest. So they're actually following temple Judaism. So if you sneeze in front of the pope and he says, God bless you, you're, you're good <laughs> to go, and no, no cold is going to... I don't know. Settle into your nasal passages? Well, let's find out. <laughs> but I think it's a question. I think it's a question that's answered by the use of the hands. Lest people think that the priests themselves could bless someone, the blessing has to come from God. And the reality is, is that we have to be worthy of the blessing. That, I think, is part of this. And what the rabbis do here is something really interesting. They interpret the three blessings, three, the three lines of blessings. They take note of the fact that the first blessing has three words, the second blessing has five words, and the third blessing has seven words. And because I might think to myself, when, when it says, the Lord bless you and protect you, what else do I need? Right. right. That's enough. Why do I need a second line of blessing? Why do we need a third line? And so here, the rabbis are going to interpret each line of blessing. And they say, that the first blessing, may God bless you and, and guard you, that's a blessing for property or having enough food to eat. The second blessing is that of spirituality. The balance between living in this world physically and living in this world spiritually. And the third blessing, which is the seven-word blessing, which is the number of the covenant, seven, is the balance between the two, is to really reach peace. 
So do you think it's strange that the Torah would want to bless you with property? That's a great question. I mean, can you have spiritual peace and calm if you can't put enough food on the table for your family? Do you need to have that work-life balance, as they call it nowadays? Or is it good enough just to go off into a into a yurt somewhere and pray all day? And, and if you're good with the, with the spiritual stuff, can the rest of it be ignored? Let me ask it a little differently, because most of us are not going to go to an ashram. Most of us are not going to try to live in this world without some property, the ability to feed yourself and your family. But I guess the question is, do we see it as a blessing from God? And if we did, how would that affect us? Yeah, the interesting thing is that we ask God to do for us. We don't do much. Uh, We don't really often see it as a reciprocal relationship. But when it comes to providing for ourselves, building a home and getting a good job, that's one area where we do seem to take some individual responsibility. We see that as something that we have to earn. We don't wait for God to say, man, I wish I had a better job. We have a more engaged attitude, a more relationship. We take more responsibility on that side of it, I think, than we do on the spiritual side. I think think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. And it's not going to do us a lot of good to wait for God to shower us with manna or blessing. But I'll, I'll ask the question a little differently. You're a writer and you work at your craft. If you saw your ability to write as a blessing that was given to you, a unique blessing that's given to you, does that create a responsibility within you to enhance that blessing, to share that blessing, to make that blessing more real in the world? Wow, it's a tough one. I certainly don't think of it as a blessing. I think of it as work, as something that I've had to struggle to 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 get good at. I don't feel like it was given to me as a gift at all. Because it doesn't feel magical to you, or no, because but you it, are yeah. a gifted writer. You, but that's just because I've worked so hard at it. You know, like it'd be like. But you, you had know. to have some initial talent for it. I mean, that that doesn't just happen. And so I'm 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 I'm, I'm really drilling down. Yeah, here. that's a good question. But I'm asking you. If you thought about, well, what are the gifts that I have in this world? What are the blessings that I've been given? How am I using them to not only earn a living, but to make a difference, right? Am I using these blessings to be a blessing? That's, I think, part of the question that's being raised here. Mm -hmm. It's not just Jonathan got the gift of writing, and this one got the gift of this, and this one got the gift of that. What are you doing with that blessing? Are you are you transforming it into a blessing? Yeah, I mean, we we all have blessings. You know, some of us are blessed with good looks or charm or height. Writing ability maybe is one. Um, and then the question is, which of your charms, which of your blessings, do you choose to try to to That's make right. the most of? And finally, your question: um, Are you doing something with it to make the world a better place? Right, and I think that's the Jewish understanding of it. It's not what people think Ben-Gurion said once. It's what you do. That's what matters. And part of what we do is what's our inspiration to act. And I guess that you could extend this then to the second level of blessing, which is the spiritual. When we think of spirituality, and by the way, we think of religion in America, we think of it as a personal issue. If you go up to somebody at a cocktail party or somewhere and you say, hey, let's talk about your religion. Let's talk about your spiritual life. That would be seen, I think, as being rude and strange and invasive and not being conscious of someone's personal space. And yet this notion that religion is some personal matter is not a Jewish idea at all. Jewish ideas of spirituality is being in relationship with God. But again, what do I do with that blessing? Is it all about me 
feeling, you know, at one and at peace with the world, that's part of it. But again, what am I doing with it? What do I do with the blessing that I was given? Yeah, and you know, I'm thinking about it now, and I think I can answer your question a little more directly. I avoided it the first time. This third blessing about balancing spirituality and property and security. I do think about that when I decide what I want to write about. I could choose subjects that would make more money. I could make that my priority. What can I write about that's going to have the greatest return on, on my investment of time and effort? But I would be miserable if I did that. I could sell to write. I did at one point when I was uh, you know, desperate to pay the rent. I, I wrote brochures for a vitamin company, and I was miserable. And I couldn't bear the thought of getting up to go to work every morning. Now I'm very fortunate that I get to choose what I write about, and I could choose things that make me more money, but I choose to write about what matters to me at least and what's interesting to me and what I think people might benefit from reading. Uh, maybe that's... Um... So there's a spiritual connection to self and self-worth with what you do. Absolutely. So it's not just about bringing the paycheck home. It's how you do that job. And I'm very lucky that I have that choice because I have a lot of friends and a lot of people in my family, loved ones, who have to work for the money and they couldn't care less what the job was. They would switch jobs tomorrow if it brought them another 10% raise. They, they have no passion for what they do. And that's a lot of people. I'm very fortunate in that I can do something that makes money and feel passionate about. So that there again is that balance between the spiritual and the, and the physical. What do I do with it? And in you know, I remember Studs Terkel's book, Working, which is a beautiful book mm -hmm. about that idea where he interviewed a whole number of people. And what you learned was that each person took a unique pride in what they did. The waitress who saw herself as a ballerina and the manner in which she spoke to people and served their food made a difference. How do we elevate ourselves by what we do? Does every job have the possibility of being a blessing? Can I be a blessing? Or is it all about being controlled by that first blessing? In America, are we good with that first one? Give me the blessing of physical and financial security. I don't care about anything else. But in life, how often do you hear, I'm a recovering lawyer, I'm a recovering right. physician, I'm a recovering something, right? Right. There are people who can't wait to stop working. And then the question to me is, if, if that's the hand that, that you've been dealt and you hate your job, can you at least take something spiritual out of the fact that you have that job security? And is there some other part of your life where you are now free to right. do something more? And that really leads us to the third blessing, which is about shalom. And when you hear the word shalom, people think, oh, it's hello, goodbye in Hebrew and peace. But we're not really thinking about the root word of shalom is shalem, which means to be whole. And so to be whole is to be in balance. To be whole is to find those elements of life that are going to make me more whole. And if you have a job that you hate, not every person, in fact, most people, cannot leave their job and their job security to go choose to do something else. Some people do, and they should be commended. But can I do other things to be a blessing, right? If I can't do it through my job, what else can I do to be more fulfilled, to be more whole? So here we've been talking about a series of blessings. And at the end of the day, it's not that God is blessing us. God has blessed us. The question is, what do we do with the blessing? Where do we go from here? How do I actualize that blessing? So when we say a blessing over a bar bat mitzvah, the question that I'm raising with them isn't, 
I'm blessing you in a moment, but we are celebrating the blessing of this moment. How will you be a blessing going forward? A wedding couple, how will you be a blessing? How will you bless each other? That is the proactive view of blessings, and I think that it is right there in the text. And going back to where we began about the letter Shin in the hands, the blessings in our hands, the Torah tells us. And that's uh, what we can learn from Nassau, at least, that blessing. Thanks so much. Thanks.